Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. I went to high school in rural Kansas. Big shout out to my fellow Augusta High pals, Go Orioles. And we lived about 14 and a half miles from the school. So when it came time to getting my driver's license, I actually ended up having to drive myself to driver's ed. It was a 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. And because of its unique bubble shape, there weren't too many blind spots, which was great for when you're first learning how to drive. Because one of the hard things to remember is, hey, watch out for those blind spots. And a blind spot is something that does not allow you to see a particular area clearly or fully. The objects that we're not seeing are there. We just don't see them. As followers of Christ, we have more spiritual blind spots than we actually want to admit. Spiritual blind spots block us from seeing truths that God wants us to know and remember. Now, no matter how mature we become, let's be real about this, we all have blind spots, areas of immaturity which keep us from being more like Jesus. In the past several years, the NFL introduced a new penalty called the blindside tackle. When a player is facing one direction, he cannot be tackled from his blind spots, which which are basically his left and right sides. And the NFL has deemed that the risk of injury is just too great because you just don't see that 300-pound linebacker who is going to level you. Well, I've been reading through the book of Exodus, and honestly, it's like a mirror. We see all the bad choices that the Israelites made, and they are exactly the same bad choices that we make. And the people of Israel had several blind spots. One of the glaring ones was that they were afraid God couldn't do what he had promised to do. In chapter 13, verse 17, we read that when Pharaoh had finally let the people go, After all the plagues, God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines. Now, that was the straight line from Egypt to the promised land. But God didn't let them go that way because he knew that when they saw the Philistines, who were a rather large people in stature, many of them were giants, fierce warriors, and he knew that if they saw the Philistines, they would automatically think of war and it would freak them out, and they would be paralyzed by fear, and they would hightail it back to Egypt. Well, God knew they couldn't handle that emotionally, so he took them by way of the Red Sea, which was not the most direct route. Here's the irritating part, at least for God. Back in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says that God heard their cries, that they're being mistreated, and that they want to be set free. And when God begins to pull the trigger on changing their circumstances, they don't want to do it. They're afraid. And there's nothing worse than going out of your way to do something for someone else, and then they change their mind at the last minute. Those of you who have young kids, and I remember those days well, they will ask for something. You get up to get it, and by the time you walk to the cupboard to get the cookie or whatever it is, they change their mind. 
No, no, no. I don't want that. I want that now. And you're thinking, are you kidding me? That's not what you asked for. And out of frustration, you know, our first thought is, well, hey, if you don't take this, then you get nothing, right? Well, thankfully, God isn't that way. The Israelites were basically saying, our lives are terrible. We are enslaved by the Egyptians. They beat us. They exhaust us. And God says, I'm here to fix that. Let me lead you on the path that is best for you. And even though that was the best path for them, he knew that once they had started out, they'd want to turn back. But going back to Egypt just wasn't an option for him. And God, in his graciousness, leads them away from Egypt. And within a very short time, they start whining about what they don't have. And they start reflecting on the good old times they had in Egypt. And indeed, they wanted to go back. And in chapter 14, God essentially directs them to a dead end. And he does this on purpose so that they will learn to trust him. In verse 13 of chapter 14, they're all backed up against the water's edge, the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit behind them. And Moses tells them to stand still. Now, this is a huge teaching moment for them and for us. Well, how so? Well, remember this. When we stand still, guess what? We're no longer leading. God is. When we're standing still, we're no longer in control. If you missed the very first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that because God wants our surrender. He wants to have full control. And remember this, when you get down to the heart of it, it really wasn't Moses who led the people out of Egypt. It was the Lord. Moses was the man out in front of the group, but it was God who led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So Moses was just following instructions. And really, nothing has changed. That's exactly what we need to do today. Just follow his directions. If your life is a mess today, it could be because you're just not following God's directions. Maybe you're trying to lead, and God is saying, stand still. Let me lead. You follow. Now, if you or I had been doing the leading, I'm convinced we would have taken them on the shortest route. Why? Well, that's just the way we are. We're usually looking for the fastest, shortest, and easiest way to get something done. Think about this for a second. The microwave was invented to save time cooking things. What used to take 10 minutes to heat up on the stove only takes about a minute and a half in the microwave. But when your soup takes an entire minute and a half to warm up, it seems like an eternity, doesn't it? I mean, why can't it only take 30 seconds, right? Every time I watch an Apple event, I'm impressed by the speed comparisons from the previous model. You know, we're, we're a society that's driven by getting things done quickly. But God rarely works that way. He moves in his own timing. He hardly ever moves and acts in the way that seems best to us. Case in point, instead of leading the children of Israel 
on the shortest route from Egypt to Canaan, he takes them the long way. In other words, he's not in a hurry. It took them 40 years to make that trip, but that was their own fault. And some of you are going through some rough patches right now because God is taking you the long way. But take comfort in the fact that God has a reason and a plan for taking you the long way. So what should your response be? Complain? Resist? Well, that didn't work out too well for the Israelites, and it won't work out well for you either. So what are you supposed to do? Just stand still and trust God to lead where only He can lead you. He can see the end. You can't. And listen, if He's taking you the long way, He's already decided that it's the best way. And there have been times that I've wanted to take the shortest and easiest way. And the Lord said, no. And I would get upset at him and my spiritual walk would suffer. And then there have been times where I wanted to take the shortest and easiest and fastest route. And he said, I don't want you to go down that path. But hey, if you won't listen and you insist on going down that path, knock yourself out. And I did. And within a very short period of time, I discovered that I really didn't want to be walking on that path anymore. And I realized he was right. And you know what? I got to admit, it was hard to get off that path once I was on it. He knew what was best. I just chose not to listen. Okay, back to the Israelites. The Egyptians were coming after them and they panic. And God said, stand still. Now, don't miss this. Whether they wanted to stand still or not, he was going to make them stand still. If you've ever watched the classic Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston, he stretches out his arms and says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then a few sentences later, behold his mighty hand and the sea divides. And they just walk through it. I mean, there were some cool graphics and the special effects were way ahead of their time. But it really didn't happen like that. In verse 21 of chapter 14, it says that the Lord caused the sea to recede by a strong east wind, don't miss this, all that night, all night, and it made the sea dry land. In other words, God took his time. They had to wait all night so the seabed would be dry enough to walk on. And that entire night, God forced them to stand still and trust him. Now, verses 29 and 30 of that chapter give us the final picture. They walked on dry land in the middle of the sea, and the waters were a wall on their right side and on their left side. And I would have loved to have seen that. And the Bible says that the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. God wanted to prove his point so that he could be trusted. And here's the thing. Israel always needed something that they could see 
in order to believe. So what happened? God allowed the bodies of the Egyptian army to be washed up on the shore. That would be an image that would be hard to unsee. The result was that Israel saw and believed that God could be trusted. God showed them what and where their blind spots were, mainly that they weren't good followers, and they were always whining about what they didn't have. And their lack of faith, lack of trust, played a key role in their distrust toward God's leadership. Now, could it be that you struggle with the same blind spots that the children of Israel struggled with? Do you struggle with being a good follower? Do you find yourself continually dissatisfied with what you have? Always wanting more, something different, something better, newer, shinier, or faster? On a scale of 1 to 10, where's your trust factor? Do you truly trust God to provide? Or do you feel compelled to put things in motion to meet your own needs? Because he's making you stand still and wait. Well, let me encourage you today to take a couple of minutes to write down at least two areas in which you feel you are still immature. And come on, let's be honest. You probably don't have to think very hard to identify two blind spots in your life. I know I don't. Then seek out two people that you trust. Ask them to pray for you. Share with them those two blind spots and ask them to keep you accountable and to keep checking in with you. If you're not sure what your blind spots are, just pause and ask God to reveal them to you. He will. And then ask the Lord to give you an opportunity tomorrow that will make you come into contact with and deal with those two blind spots head on. Be still. Quit trying to fix a relationship rather than patiently waiting for God to work in that person's heart and mind. You need to surrender to Him and trust Him with the outcome instead of attempting to manufacture it yourself. Well, I hope this has been a help to you. It's been incredible to look at the analytics from this podcast. We have people listening and downloading from not just the U.S., but Belgium, the U.K., Australia, Brazil, Canada, Indonesia, Mexico, and Japan. So thanks so much for listening. Share it on your timeline. Share it with a friend. If you write a positive review on iTunes or Apple Music, it will make it easier for people to find. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.